Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. And welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life. And I have my first international interview um, all the way from down under. Um, hi, Katie. Um, Katie is from a um, on Instagram uh, equestrian movement. So Katie is going to tell us all about it. So hi, Katie. How are things? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to talk all things ponies. <laughs> Normally people can't stop me talking about them, so it's nice that somebody wants to hear me talk about it. <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. So Katie, can you like introduce yourself, tell us more about you, and can you tell us more about equestrian movement, what is it, um, and more? Yes, uh, so hi, I am Kate Boniface and I'm the head coach at Equestrian Movement. We help horse riders build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses so that our horses enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. We are in Australia and our Equestrian Movement is an online international um, little thing that we do. (laughs) We work in a membership with people all over the world. We work with people in the US, UK, uh, Canada, New Zealand, helping people just like understand their horses better and enjoy each other more and have a really good time in in the process of working together. Oh, excellent. And so what sort of techniques and everything are you using to help with that um, bond and communication and relationship? Yeah, so I I lean into a lot of different things. It's not, um, you know, natural horsemanship or whatnot. We kind of group it under what we call holistic horsemanship. I am a qualified naturopath as well. So we come from the ideology of first do no harm and then try and take it from there. And making sure that we try and have our values align with our actions. So if we are firstly to do no harm and secondly to have a horse that enjoys learning and thirdly have a horse that asks to be ridden, how do we make those values align with the work that we are doing with our horses? So it means that uh, I am constantly researching and picking up new and different tools as they emerge. I think like not just our industry as the equestrian industry but you know behavioral understanding and and training in all industries is like evolving significantly and even in the last 10 years with us having so much more of an understanding of how the brain works and biochemistry and and that kind of thing so uh I had a son two and a half years ago and I did some training in that like um secure attachments and that kind of thing so have incorporated that into our training and we do positive reinforcement negative reinforcement liberty do a lot on uh, postural alignment for the horse rider so that we have clear communication balance coordination we just like (laughs) try try and collect all of the tools in the toolkits because uh in my experience it's not a one-size-fits-all with horses So you've got to, you know, same with working with kids, you've got to kind of 
get to understand their personality a little bit and then experiment with different tools and you know what works today isn't going to work tomorrow (laughs) just be able to really flex and shift into different strategies whilst keeping a positive mindset so we don't get bogged down in the I'm not good enough I can't do this my horse Mm -hmm. needs a trainer my horse needs a better rider like that's typically where we get ourselves stuck as well yeah yeah totally and yeah I think you're definitely right there's just so much more information or access to information now there's so many more um people um I guess like yourselves that are finding new techniques or new um therapies or um new ways to communicate and obviously spreading that movement which is exactly what you're doing really aren't you so (laughs) hopefully we're trying our best (laughs) yeah so how so if someone sort of um comes to you and do they normally come to you because they've got an initial problem with their horse or is it how what sort of what's a typical customer for you yeah sure so we will have everything ranging from big behavioral problems that you know we're the last resort they can't figure out what's wrong with their horse they've been vet checked like everything and they haven't been able to find anything and just kind of desperate to just you know some of us like have had that heart horse experience and then we get a new horse and like oh why why aren't we clicking why aren't we gelling the same way and just like understanding and appreciating that there is a level of disconnect there but not really sure what to do about it because I think one of the biggest problems that we see is all of the training that we experience we don't differentiate between the actual cue training and the behavioral training so the cue training I'm going to give you guys a tip right now the cue training is the easiest part All you have to do is figure out how you're going to guide the behavior, mark the behavior, and reinforce the behavior. Then you have a word, and that is your communication. That is the easy part, and it is that easy. I like teaching my students this first and foremost because they come away and they go, oh, that was so easy. Yes, teaching words is easy. The hard part is the behavioral training. And so we have to really understand our horse's unique personality, their quirks, what they like, what they don't like, and how we can motivate them to positively interact with us so that we can draw that willingness, draw that confidence, like shape out what would this situation look like if my horse was proud of the outcome? How are we going to shape their emotional reaction to us to create that task that we're like that goal that we have set that we're trying to achieve? And so I think like, you know, the good horsemen and the good horsewomen, they're doing it, but they're not aware of the fact that they're doing it. So they're teaching, you know, the tricks and the tools and the skills and the exercises that got them to that point. And then, you know, we have our amateur riders and whatnot or intermediate riders and they're coming in and they're saying, look what I can get my horse to do. But they've missed the fact that training that skill in was supposed to be a conversation and it was supposed to be, it's. It's not about, look what I can get my horse to do. It's about how did you show up for your horse and how did you show integrity and character and values in the process of getting your horse to be able to do that thing that you got to. And I think that's like the biggest gap that, you know, beginner riders and even intermediate, and I think a lot of experienced riders miss as well. It's not about, you know, that goal, that skill that you've been working. Because let's face it, we all have a big goal and then we hit it and then we go, what's next yeah. <laughs> we never even yeah. take a second to congratulate ourselves or be proud of ourselves or our horses we always are just like what's that next thing and we forget that it's 
it's not about that achievement. It's about the the conversation and the interaction and the relationship that builds in the process of of getting to that point. And I think that's the thing that we miss with our heart horse because quite often it's you know the one that we've done a, a lot of work with to get to that point as well, like years yeah. of just working together towards that bond and that goal. And then you get your new horse and you think that you're just going to pick up where you, you left off. Yeah, but yeah. There's just such a process of connection required first. Yeah. So if someone comes with you, do they, how do you decide what sort of techniques and um, therapies or, or actions you're going to take? Because like you say, it doesn't fit every single horse. So how did you, how do you decide which one works for which horse? <laughs> Such a good question. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> we start in general with relaxation. So what does it look like for your horse to feel safe, secure, connected with you? Are they safe to relax around you? Are they safe to go to sleep? Basically, all of my students become pros at putting them, their horses to sleep. And then, you know, 12 months later when they go out to the first show, they're like, oh, this is why we've spent the last year trying to put my horse to sleep because now it's in this new environment and it's quite stressed and nervous and I know how to settle it down. Yeah. So our first step in everything that we do is, um, you know, being able to have that reset, have that default that we can de-escalate the behaviours first and foremost and and find where that connection is because you know a lot of horses they have some really big experiences where just the human is the stress factor like the human approaching them creates the stress creates the tension and so you know even that in itself like with my horse when I worked on it it was six months of just getting him to relax when he saw me coming and then he overcompensated and (laughs) relaxed when he saw everybody coming (laughs) (laughs) you know geldings when they get relaxed they get their doodle out so we'd have the vet come the barrier come and they'd be like oh your horse is excited to see me I'm like oh my goodness I didn't mean to bring this into me it was such an embarrassment to me (laughs) uh but yeah so we start with the relaxation and and then um what we work into is understanding we kind of have the personalities in to different quadrants so you can identify where your horse is they are like very kind of broad sweeps but we kind of help it helps our students to kind of understand their horse a little bit better so that they know what tools are going to work and and what aren't going to work I keep it very open-ended for the students to experiment and figure out like it's part of the learning process. Did this work? Didn't that work? So our lesson plans are, uh, you know, these are your prerequisites. Like this is what you needed to be able to do before you're at this lesson. But then they also have at the end of it a self-reflection or a lesson reflection. So you can say, oh, this did work. This didn't work. What can I lean into? What could I have done differently? Do I need to keep at that or maybe should I put that skill on, on the back burner for a little bit? So just being able to be confident and comfortable in yourself, it, it's not, um, you know, we don't go for the power over submission-based training. We go for connection-based training. So if your horse doesn't thrive in a particular lesson plan, then you don't need to, to follow through on it and complete it. It's come back to it later once we get to know each other a bit better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like, how do you have customers or clients that 
come with you every week or do you have clients that have like say a 12-week program or those type of programs like how what sort of um services do you offer and how long for or does it is it like it depends on the horse and how long it takes oh definitely (laughs) (laughs) so our membership is ongoing until you feel like you have the skills required that you don't need us anymore that's our ideal scenario to flesh out your toolkit so that you feel really comfortable leaning into all of your skills and being able to just implement them as required. And then that means that you can comfortably work with different horses as well. It's not just like, this is how you work with your horse, but this is how you have that conversation with all horses. So we also have a physical riding school. So I do weekly lessons from like beginners through to experienced riders teaching them the foundations of riding and horse communication. We do a groundwork session with the ridden session. And then I also have my one-on-one students that I travel to. And, you know, some of them have been with me for seven years. Uh, Some of them are new. You know, it's life of an instructor really there. Yeah. (laughs) Just whatever kind of suits them when they feel like they've, covered what they need from me and they're happy to move on then we we bring the next student along the journey (laughs) yeah yeah and so what is um so do they pay like a monthly membership or do they just pay as they go how does your membership work and what and what's included in it yeah so the membership is a monthly payment it comes with a lesson plan and a coaching call every month but it also has um you know about two years worth of uh, lesson plans like monthly lesson plans and monthly coaching calls in it as well so we've got the just the purely connection work groundwork stuff on the ground which is all about how to develop emotional self-regulation emotional agility and how to do your cue training well being really strategic and in fleshing out you know what words you need to teach your horse so you know things like oh I can't get my horse to pick its hoof up well you know, is, are you having a relationship dynamic playing out there or are you just not communicating clearly or does your horse not know what the answer is? So being able to like lean into those different areas and figure out why specific things aren't working and then being strategic in how you're going to like flesh the, out the way the words come together into conversations for your more technical stuff like the liberty, the liberty work and games and, and that kind of thing. Okay. And then we have our written stuff. So I kind of started out in the industry with a mentor that was teaching me, you know, our horse shouldn't go lame when you ride it unless it has a paddock injury. And then seeing horses consistently going lame with work. So I really dug into how can we ride our horses, not just for soundness, but so that they enjoy being ridden and it is of benefit to them and they become more athletic. Uh, And that has also evolved a lot into bit pressure because the way that we apply the bit is one of the biggest factors in creating lameness, I believe, and us being unbalanced because, you know, you don't just apply a bit pressure to the horse and they follow it and go, oh, that's lovely, I'll follow it. They, you know, they, their reflex is to lean and twist against it. So we're creating, you know, misalignment issues from the get-go with <coughs> bit pressure. So uh, we've got those those two different memberships. And they, we have it also the main course of it laid out so that you know how to progress 
through the training scale, but then also how to strip back into your prerequisites. Maybe you need to refine. If you get like a little bit stuck at a place, it's quite often not that you need to push through and get into your next thing. It's more often that you need to come back and see what you've missed in your foundations and your basics and refine. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously you mentioned that you um, have dealt with international clients. So I assume you do that like via Zoom and stuff. Is that how you you, um, deal with your international clients? Yeah, so they have access to the course has uh, video trainings that I coach over top of. So they're able to send the videos in for me to coach over within the membership. Uh, But I spent a really long time teaching beginners. So (laughs) the lesson plans like seem to be very easy to implement. We haven't really had any feedback so much aside from, uh, you know, our Written one can get quite complex because they am dressage trained. So when you get to the higher levels, it can be a bit overwhelming and confusing if mm. you are a beginner dressage rider yeah. or just a beginner rider in general. But the the lesson plans are like, you know, blueprints. It's very hard to go wrong with them. And quite often the problems that people have are my horse is showing this behavior. What is happening here? And because of the way the membership works, I get to know the people and the horses quite well. And so I can say, oh, you know, I know this is your horse. This is its personality. This is most likely why this is happening here. And so far that's working. <laughs> yeah. So how, um, I should have asked you at the beginning, how long has it been going on for? Like, how, like or where did the idea start? How did you create it? like I should have really asked that right at the beginning so tell us how it all how it all started and how long for yeah Yeah, so I have just had this obsession um for probably my professional career of writing uh did a lot of competition as a kid and I'm not a very competitive person so I wasn't particularly interested in it but once I got into the actual training and teaching people I really got interested in understanding kind of how to create safe horses that know how to look after their riders because I was in a riding in school environment and we were like picking horses up. We call them the doggers here. We were picking dogger horses up and uh, integrating them into the school so that they had a life and a career and then how to kind of create that level of soundness and whatnot. So I started that uh, 17 years ago. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) uh and then 11 years ago I started just doing you know private lessons one-on-one and three and a half years ago one of my students was like this is incredible work we need to be getting this out to more people I was like okay (laughs) so Sarah and I started working together three and a half years ago to put it together into a membership And then a year ago, I took over the school and we've been implementing it with one of the things that I really struggled with in the riding school is it's really hard to keep the horses happy when they have so many different people riding them. It's really hard to keep them sound when they have so many beginners riding them. So I was really like, okay, well, if your horse can be sound unless it has a paddock injury, then these horses should be sound. How can I make that happen? And so that kind of became a bit of a life project for me is how to create sound horses that like mm. to be ridden because I got to a point where I just didn't like who I had to be to be successful in the industry. 
and I didn't like having to work with horses that didn't like working with me. Mm. So it was kind of a, I can either quit altogether, which I knew I could never do, and even if I did quit, I wouldn't be helping all the horses still left in the industry or I could figure it out. And so that was kind of the process over the last 17 years of trying to figure out how to have happy horses that like to be ridden. And that's where it kind of came together into that membership. And we just continued to grow and evolve as, as we go as well, because, you know, as an instructor, people want the ribbons, people want the accolades, they want to see improvement, they want to see progress. Yeah. And it yes. really evolved as we went online and were able to find other people that really wanted to have the relationship first and the ribbons were a bonus. So mm. we've been able to really dig into that quality connection work, how to put that first and foremost, as completely reshaped what I thought was possible for a horse to understand and learn and how much they could enjoy the work. Like basically yeah. it used to be, well, if your horse isn't trying to buck you off, they're Okay. But now we like the, the school horses, uh, you know, are showing that they actually enjoy teaching the beginners and yeah. it, you can see it in their facial expressions and the way they carry themselves and yeah. have a lot more pride in themselves and enjoying it. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can totally relate to the riding school. Like I teach on a riding school um, on a Tuesday and a Thursday and it's like part um like disabled and then we have like able-bodied as well um yeah and so our, our riders will have ponies have to sort of adjust between uh, you know possibly having a disabled rider on them and then having say like a beginner or if the horse is um able to do a bit more advanced work like more pole work more jumping I mean our riding school riders unfortunately aren't going to be international show jumpers but yeah. they are um you know but they still want to learn and they still want to have you know experience jumping and things so obviously our horses have to adapt quite from you know one extreme to the other really and sometimes you yeah, can yeah. see it in their face and they're like oh no like I don't want <laughs> don't want that person on me anymore and things and yeah I do feel a bit sorry for them because I mean we don't work them hard they're not they don't get ridden right. like all day every day yeah. um but you can sort of see some of the you know in their eyes they're like oh no not that person again I don't like that person but um you know and it is like I I do feel for them because you know some of the riders aren't especially the disabled riders they're not particularly like you know they don't obviously carry their weight very well and they don't some of them are very loud and some of them banks we have like autistic people on so but they are really good as gold like we've got some amazing horses and ponies on our riding school who who do adapt and adjust very very well so they you know they will be very calm and collected and very you know don't react and then you can have someone who's a bit more abled and you know will go forward and do some pole work and do some little a little course of jumps and stuff so we are lucky that we do have that adjustment but it is hard at the same time (laughs) yeah Yeah, they're so beautiful, hey. And when I first started back at the school, I was trying to figure out what kind of workload was appropriate. And some days I'd just, you know, be a little bit lazy and instead of bringing two horses in, I'd just bring one horse in and I'd do two, three, you know, private beginner lessons and 
by the time I got to the third lesson, the horse is like nipping at me saying, hey, come on, like two is fine, three is pushing. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Stick to that two riders. So that was a good indication. Uh, and that has worked really well for us. But yeah. I think we do really you know, underestimate the level of confidence that a horse needs to look after us as riders. Yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, as an you know a beginner to an amateur rider, the communication isn't always clear, so it can be no. really hit, hit and miss as to whether the horse is doing the right thing or not. And then if we're going to punish them because they've done the right, wrong thing, then they're going to be in fear of punishment for trying, so they stop trying, and then they can really start to internalise and disconnect. And that's yeah. where we can see, like, that relationship breakdown happen they don't trust us they don't have faith in us they've lost confidence in us and it's really easy to overface them by just expecting that they should be able like they're a horse they should just do it I've done that to my horse so many times just by accident like taking for a walk up the road and a truck goes past and he just had a complete meltdown and now he's terrified of cars like I just went on the road going oh you're a horse you'll be fine and just didn't even think about it (laughs) but even back you know when I was a kid I didn't realize you know horses don't just know how to be ridden there's a whole process to them learning enough to be able to look after us and so many horses don't have that kind of start either to have those no. foundations put in really clear. So, um, yeah, getting a, a confident horse that knows how to look after us is is a big job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then you mentioned to me um, just before we um, started recording that you have your own podcast because you're like, oh, this is strange that I'm being interviewed. So can you tell us more about your <laughs> podcast? Like, what is it about and how long has that been going on for? Yeah, so uh, our podcast we've been doing since the beginning of the year and it is called the First Do No Harm podcast. And so that leans into our first principle with our writing is before you do anything, make sure you're not hurting your horse. And so we talk to uh, different industry professionals, mostly like body workers and other people that are supporting us as writers to create you know, horses that can enjoy being ridden, but also other trainers that have similar philosophies to us where they're just trying to figure out how to work with horses in a way that they enjoy it. Uh, So, and then I'll talk about, you know, things that I'm doing in the school with the school horses and things that come up with my students. And it's like I've done, you know, the basics just so many times I forget half the stuff that's in the basics (laughs) so it's fun when I go down a rabbit hole with one of my students so you know something simple like how do I keep my heels down or uh how do I follow the mouth how do I have soft hands like those kinds of things and it just like triggers in me all the things that I've kind of learned over you know 30 years of writing and 17 years of teaching and to just go on a big rant about that topic so You'll get me ranting and then, <laughs> and then me talking to other industry professionals about how we can be less of a burden to our horses when we're trying to ride them. <laughs> <laughs> and is that what, where, um, if people wanted to follow you and download that, where what um, platforms are you on on that? Yeah, all the big ones that you would normally have, Spotify, iTunes, well, I don't even know what half of them are, but you can go <laughs> onto our website, www.equestrianmovement.com and on that website page, we've got all of the podcasts there. They get uploaded every week as well. 
Excellent. And then what is the future for equestrian movement? So I like where do you want it to like progress to? Where do where do you visualize it being? Yeah. So we are slowly, hopefully, trying to infiltrate the industry and advocate for our horses to have a voice. So as I said, like I got to this point, you know, when I was training to be an instructor and I just didn't like who I had to be to be successful in this industry, didn't like what I had to do to the horse. And my coach fired me. This was 12 years ago. Yeah, she fired me. And at that time she said, you can't do natural horsemanship and English training. So, yeah, that's only 12 years ago that and even now natural horsemanship is kind of like not as good as the stuff that we know now. So it's just I hope that we can just keep on that trajectory of what does it look like for our horse to enjoy this process and enjoy being ridden for us, uh, being ridden by us. And I just want to bring that to as many people as I can because, you know, we can talk about how amazing it is for the horse to enjoy its job and to look after us and to be safe for us. But for for us, I think it's just the most amazing experience. And I think that's why horse riding is so addictive. Like we're looking for that sweet, sweet moment of just connectedness and togetherness that we sometimes get. And then we become super frustrated in ourselves and we're forever chasing it for months on end. And then we get another little glimmer again and we're hooked again. And then we're like, ah, I should just quit. I'm not good enough to do this. So like, we really want to try and, and bring that connectedness to the forefront of like how to have that harmony and that peace and that union between us and our horses. And, you know, anytime that I think that I'm there, like we're, we're done, there's, there's, there's no more to learn about it. It just like unlocks a whole new amazing place of what the horse's potential is to learn and, and feel and you know, how much they can give back to us and how much mm-hmm. they can provide our heart solace as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So is there anything that you would like to, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to speak about? And do you have any promotions that you want people to know about? <laughs> so I think that we talked a little bit about you know, the cue training and the behavior training, but I really want to talk about emotional self-regulation and emotional agility, because I think this is like a fairly new direction that a lot of training is going in. And there's still not a lot of people that really have their brains around it when we're talking about connectedness, but we have the ability to shape how our horse feels. And what we're trying to do when we're working with our horse is understanding the horse. They're not just being naughty. They're having an emotional reaction to us, which looks like a naughty behavior, but it's just their best way of communicating because they are nonverbal. Their communication is through body language and people just suck at reading body language. You know, I look, (laughs) I look at my toddler at daycare and they're so good at body language because half of them are nonverbal and so they have to pick up those cues but then you know the really nonverbal ones get frustrated and they act out physically and behaviorally because they can't communicate effectively so the more words that we can give our horse in the cue training to communicate with us effectively 
the less frustration that our horse has with us. But it's also being in that moment, seeing your horse isn't naughty, it just doesn't know the answer. Or your horse isn't naughty, it's just communicating a need that's not met. Or your horse isn't naughty, it's just feeling pain or something, you know, that needs to be addressed. And once we've ruled, so this is why our podcast is about as well. It's like once we've ruled out, it's not pain. It's not like any significant issue that needs to be addressed. We can actually shape the behavior out. And this is, um, you know, something that I've really lent into over the last couple of years because I was very good at de-escalating big dangerous behaviors because horses were scared. And so I'm really good at fixing horses. (laughs) But then there comes a part where you have no more fixing to do and then you have to make sure that you're not the trauma. And this has been really hard for me. It's like how do you create a safe learning environment for a giant, you know, 500 kilo plus flight animal to be the thing that can do the work with them without creating the trauma in them? And so it's just about how you structure those lesson plans out and how you create those challenges sorry this is why I have my teeth because I have <laughs> coughing fits and I get really passionate is <laughs> 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 we can actually shape out their emotional response to us by being strategic in how we put those challenges in front of them you should go that was that. <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> One of the things that, you know, we talk about in our connected base training is, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, That's in our right. positive reinforcement, <coughs> if you're giving a hug that your horse doesn't like, that's not reinforcing. If you're getting a pat that your horse doesn't like, that's not reinforcing. So doing these things, I'm going to have coffee <coughs> here, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> She's on it. She's on a roll. She's on a roll. <laughs> so creating these opportunities and these environments oh, that build our horses up confidently to be able yeah. to look after us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well done. Well, well done for <laughs> like bringing it all to our attention. And I'm hoping like when people like listen to this, um, that they have a bit more understanding or they'll now know sort of a platform where they can go and try and get a bit more understanding and stuff so yeah thank you so much for bringing it to our attention um and i kind of finish off each like podcast with some quick fire questions so generally are you a night in or you're a night out gal well, I have a toddler, so I am currently a night in girl. <laughs> <laughs> but do you like a night out when you can ever get the opportunity yeah. to? Yes, I do enjoy <laughs> night out. <laughs> um, are you a cup of tea or a cup of coffee? Definitely a cup of coffee. Can't do a cup of co- go a morning without a cup of coffee. <laughs> are you uh, wellies or heels? Wellies. Um, sweet or savoury? Savoury. Um, book or film? Um, I have to say that I haven't really been able to get into either, but I do love some trashy reality TV. 
don't we all it's the escapism isn't it (laughs) so what sort of shows do you like that we we might have heard of or that you've got over in Australia I I do really enjoy watching RuPaul's Drag Race I really enjoy the transformation that they make and I really enjoy how like some of them really flourish in in that environment and get a better understanding of who they are yeah. And then some of them just crack. Like <laughs> I was reading on uh, online the other day, you know, it's that they, some of them have complete mental breakdowns afterwards because of the stress and the pressure of it. I was like, God, yeah. but yeah. still I watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely love it. Like you say, like each week when they've got a theme and they just, the makeup is absolutely mind like I'm just blown away every time they come out and obviously they all make their costumes and their costumes are absolutely fabulous and you think wow it's just they're so beautiful (laughs) yeah they are they're absolutely gorgeous absolutely gorgeous well I wanted to thank you so much Katie for coming on um where can people find you like on your social media and if you could just tell us your website again yeah, so we do have a free connection-based training at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection. Uh, our website is www.equestriummovement.com and then Equestrian Movement just in the search engine on Facebook and Instagram. And our podcast is First You Know How. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for telling us all about you. Thank you for telling us all about the therapies and the um, techniques and everything that you do. And um, if people wanted to go for the membership, can you tell us how much the memberships are or is it like a bespoke service? Uh, I actually don't remember off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't run the back end section of our membership. (laughs) I just do the training. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Our written one is closed at the moment. Probably won't take enrolments until next year. Um, and I think that our groundwork one is about $60, 60 Australian dollars a month. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. And if you guys, you. as always, love this episode, which I'm sure you will, if you can screenshot and share it to your stories and tag um, Katie via a question movement and I, Cobbs Equine Services, then we would really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as I did making it. If you um, like to follow me on socials, my um, Instagram is Cobbs Equine Services and the same on Facebook, Cobbs Equine Services. Um, if you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people. And I will speak to you all on the next episode. this episode i really hope you enjoyed it as i did making it if you um like to follow me on socials my um instagram is cobs equine services and the same on facebook cobs equine services um if you are listening to this on your um, apple or spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast i really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um other people to highlight the um episodes to other people And I will speak to you all on the next episode.